0: Lord in heaven, I thank you for uh, the gift that is called today, that we could wake up, draw breath, and have an opportunity to serve you. But I pray that that would not um, pass by us, that we wouldn't take that for granted. Uh, Thank you, Father, for healthy bodies and um, sound minds, for your word that's a lamp into our feet, uh, for the strength that you've given us today and the opportunities. Would help us to uh, take advantage of this time, to redeem it, to make the most of it, to challenge each other, to be courageous in our faith, bold in our uh, outreach, and um, diligent in our service to you and others. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, this morning I want to uh, do three things pretty quickly, and then I'm going to dismiss you to your groups. But... Um, I want to really I want to give you three things. And the first one is I want to give you an overview of Matthew 26. It's a pretty long chapter. I believe there's 75 verses in there. And then I want to share a principle with you. And then I want to give you a challenge. Uh, Matthew 26, um, as we approach the the end of this book here, if you remember last week, we talked about the Olivet Discourse, um, which is simply a a fancy way of saying that Jesus gave a, a message on the Mount of Olives, right? But you go to seminary, then you have to say fancy words like discourse. But uh, he gives five messages, and, um, and in chapter 25, we see that the, the last of his, of his messages there. Um, and then uh, we open up with chapter 26, and verses 1 through 5, we see his anticipation of the coming crucifixion of his death and the plotting or the planning of his crucifixion by the chief priests. And then we see that there's uh, some, a little bit of a controversy over a woman who comes in um, and spills costly perfume uh, over Christ. And the disciples are indignant and astonished that she would do this. Um, and they miss how she, and, um, through her behavior, is really worshiping the Lord, how she understands the worth of Christ. And what Christ recognizes and what he says is is that this is a sign or uh, preparation for his burial. And then he even commemorates her faith and says, hey, because of what she's done, she will be remembered wherever the gospel is told. Which is a great um, question for you to discuss with your group is, what is it about this woman's faith that Jesus would point her out and say, just do this one act of worship hey, this is going to be something that's going to be remembered forever. And then um, we, have, we see Judas negotiates with the chief priests um, you know, for 30 pieces of silver. Hey, what will you give me if I give him up to you? And then the, the preparation and the celebration of the Passover feast. You remember the celebration of the Passover is a time in which uh, Israel looked back to when... Um, Moses led the people out of the promised land. The death angel passed over in the book of Exodus, the the land of Egypt. And those who had trusted in the blood of the lamb, their uh, oldest sons were spared. But those who did not trust in the blood of the lamb, their sons uh, were killed. And this is a time in which they celebrated um, the Lord's passing over and his provision in the time of Israel's history. And then um, we see in verses 30 through 35, Jesus' prediction that all will fall away, but yet you have this contrast with Peter who's saying, no, Lord, I'm going to follow you even to death. And then we see this idea of keeping a watch in the garden at Gethsemane, where Jesus goes and says to his disciples, hey, keep watch, pray with me, that you may not enter into temptation. And we're going to spend some time here in, Uh, in this section in just a second. And finally, we see the arrest of Jesus after uh, Judas's act of betrayal. We see Jesus go before Caiaphas, the high priest. This is one of six trials Jesus faces in uh, what is essentially a little kangaroo court that happens in the night um, behind closed doors of how they unjustly even break their own laws in order to rush his execution. And then finally, we see how Peter... Uh, repeatedly denies Christ three times, just as as Jesus predicted. So that's a a quick overview of one chapter. There's a lot of information that's packed in that one chapter, which um, I'm sure you'll have opportunity to to dig in and discuss more fully within your groups. But the principle I want to zero in on is the one which Jesus shares with us in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's found um, right here in verse 41, where he says, or I'll back up in verse 40. It says, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch of me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What, what Jesus says is, is that you're to keep watch and to pray. These are two present imperatives, which have the idea that this is not something that you do once, but it's something you do over and over and over again. And what he is trying to prepare them for, I think, is more than just what's going to happen in the next couple hours there, but what's going to happen over the next course of several weeks, months, years. That soon Christ is going to die. And they need to keep watch and to pray. How are they going to respond when all of a sudden he's gone? Are they going to trust and believe in Him even though they physically can't see Him anymore? And then, of course, we know that Easter arrives, but then He's going to leave them again. What? How are they going to respond at that point? And when the church starts, and then the persecution breaks out, how are they going to respond at that point? They've got to keep watch. They've got to pray, abide with the Lord. We see in verse 41, real simply, what were the disciples to do? Keep watching and pray. What does it mean to keep watch? Well, you see in, within this context here, to keep watch is really always coupled with to pray. There's just this sense of being alert, being aware, being vigilant in their prayers. Why were the disciples to do this? That they would not enter into temptation. You see, when he went away, would they give in to the pressures and choose simply to walk away from the faith? Because their Messiah, was, he was gone. I mean, could you imagine one of the questions in your homework was, what would it have felt like had you put everything into following this man for these past several years? And although he told you he was going to die, it went right over your head, and then he's gone. I mean, you probably would have felt alone, afraid probably, frankly, a little duped, right? Because what you were, to, was, what you were expecting was that the, the Messiah would be one who would come and establish God's reign on earth as he promised Abraham and David. And now all of a sudden he's gone. And they were to keep watch that they wouldn't enter into temptation and walk away from the faith and simply punt. But to remain about the Father's business. And now you have the resurrection. And so I'm sure there's a sense of vindication that, hey, he's alive. But now, man, we've got to keep watch. We've got to be um, attentive in prayer because now we've got a mission. We've got an assignment. He's looked to us now to establish the church and to share this message to a hostile people who, frankly, would rather see us dead. And why were they susceptible to temptation? because of the principle that I want you to focus on this morning. And that is the whole idea that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All of us can attest to that, right? Think about that for a second. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you were to consider just um, how this is played out in just this one chapter, and I'm going to share with you a few, but there's many more, look at it in Judas' life. Do you remember when uh, Jesus says to Judas, um, hey, you, time's going to come here and someone's going to betray me. And what, what is Judas' response? Oh, it's, it's not me, right? It's not I. I, I. I don't want that to be me. But the flesh is weak. We see in that later in the chapter, there he is. And simply saying to, um, to, uh, to the captors, he says, whoever, whoever I shall kiss, he is the one. You seize him. And he betrays Jesus. With a kiss. You see it in Peter, right? This whole principle that the Spirit is willing. What does he say? Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you, Christ. The Spirit's willing. But the flesh is weak. Three times, right after making this bold proclamation, three times, Peter's asleep. Three times, in, in the Lord's greatest hour, where he says to them, Hey, listen, guys, I am grieved even to the point of death. Pray with me. Only to return. They've let him down. You know, could you imagine? There you are. You know you're going to die. You gather your men. You go, hey guys, I, mean, I need you to be with me. Pray for me. And you return back and they're asleep. Again and again. And then of course we know that he says, I'll follow you even to death. And then he, he denies Christ. Right? We also see it in, just the, uh, in Jesus versus the disciples, right? We see this incredible prayer that I'm struck by three times. It says that Jesus said to the Father, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Have you ever struggled with trying to understand the Lord's will? Have you ever sat there late one night, laying awake in bed, just going, Lord, I, I just, I'm in a tough. Spot. Well, here you have Christ who's going, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. Struggling with the Father's will. In His humanity going, hey, frankly, I am fully man. And I don't want to die a terrible death. I don't want to be separated from You for the first time ever, Father. But not my will, may Your will be done. You see that the Spirit is willing Where he is saying, hey, this, Lord, I submit to your will. But in the disciples, you see where the flesh is weak. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. Verse 43, and then in 56, then all the disciples left him and fled, just as he predicted. You see the whole principle in uh, Paul's letter to the Romans as well, in Romans 7, right? For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I wish I do not do, but practice the very evil that I do not wish. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now I just want to share with you in closing. The challenge, And the challenge is, is to keep watch in your own life. Think about the various roles that you play as a father, as an employee, as a husband, as a friend. I could go on and on. What does it look like in your life where the Spirit is willing, where in your heart of hearts, hey, you know you should and really want to live a life uh, clean before the Lord, clean before friends, to be honest, to uh, initiate reconciliation, to work through conflict, but yet the, the flesh is weak. And so, although we may say at summit and amongst our small groups and our friends that, yeah, we want to be about keeping short accounts with others, but then when it gets into the, just the, the hard work of living in community and loving others, it's easier sometimes just simply to withdraw. You know, we're busy, or uh, blow it off, or that's his problem, or whatever it might be. And, And the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we see this almost this internal battle within us, right? Where the wishing is present, as Paul said. You know, I want to be a godly man, but you know what? Gosh, man! When I pray, sometimes I just don't know what to pray, and I feel unproductive. It just doesn't feel—I'm not efficient, and you know, when I'm busy. I got to get up. I got to go to work. You know, time with God. You know, yeah, I know I should do that, and I start to treat it like something I just—I check off the box, but it's really not a meaningful time because you know I'm a busy guy and I got to go. And you know, yeah, I did that last week, or you know, I just—I got to go on. We 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 want to be that man, but the flesh is weak, and now we make excuses for why we shouldn't memorize Scripture, why we shouldn't be in God's Word, why we shouldn't spend extended timing in prayer. The flesh is weak. And so just think about through your roles as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a child of God. And where is it in your life that if the Lord was to return today, He'd go, hey man, you're sleeping. There's an area in your life where, frankly, you are fast asleep. There's there's an area in your life that you're just not paying attention to. You're not alert. So how do you keep watch in your life? How will you keep watch? It's one thing to recognize it, but it's another thing to ask yourself, what should I do differently? What do I need to change? What questions do I need my friends and my small group, what what questions do they need to ask of me? That I wouldn't just continue down the same path. But I need to shed light on this area so that people will say to me, Hey man, I want to love you enough to help ex- you expose those areas where, you, you know what? I think the enemy's taking ground. And when the hour is at hand, you're going to be found fast asleep. It's um, pretty telling to me that we find that Peter, the one who fell asleep. Peter, the one who denied Christ three times. It's Peter in his epistle in 1 Peter 5.8. He is the one who says, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. That's another way of saying, keep watch and pray. Be on the alert. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. I think he can say that from first-hand experience. Then what's he saying, be watchful. Keep watch. Be prayerful. Paul says essentially the same thing in Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. We're all to keep watch and pray so that we won't enter into temptation. I think sp- uh, spiritual vigilance requires at least uh, these four things. There's no um you know aha moment for you here but it's just the hard part of doing. And the first one is attention to prayer. If you're going to be vigilant, we have to be attentive in prayer. Not a mindless prayer, not a few Hail Marys while you're running into your through your business meeting. I'm talking time focused, uninterrupted extended period of time with the Lord praying undistracted we need time in god's word time where we don't just read for understanding but we read for application time where we soak it in and allow the spirit to speak to our hearts and expose those areas where we're asleep we need authentic community not just a group of men we get with you know on an every other week basis over bad coffee at some tired diner right But authentic community where people really do understand what it is that we're facing, who can really celebrate with us our victories, but who can really challenge us in the areas where we're asleep. And honest confession and repentance. Honest confession and repentance. We need to keep short accounts with each other and before the Lord. And not allow time to go by and allow ourselves to drift. To where we allow sin to enter into our lives and, and we just continue to hide it, only later it grows and grows worse and worse and worse. And then, and then we feel like we've got a really big problem. Keep watch, gang. For the devil is like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Let's pray. Well, Lord in heaven, the Spirit is willing. Lord, we, we are willing. We're up here early in the morning. We could be fast asleep in bed. But Lord, the flesh is weak because we know we can walk away from our time together this, this morning and uh, just fall right back into the routine, right back in the motions of our daily lives. And I just pray, Father, that You would help us to keep watch over our souls. And that, Lord, we would be a people, Lord, who would uh, be vigilant in our attention to prayer. That we live in authentic community. That we would read your word, Lord, so that it would instruct our path. Change our way of thinking and form our hands in the way we walk and live and treat others. And that we keep short accounts before you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the, the sacrifice of your Son, Christ and it's in his son's name son your son's name we pray amen